0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Alrick Brussel, And I'm Timothy Plain. This week we have filmmaker Evan Kidd with us. Evan Kidd? Evan Kidd. He's a a listener, I believe, um, that emailed us uh, with his movie and just talking about being an indie filmmaker out in North Carolina. And uh, we thought it would be really interesting to hear his perspective, like being in some place completely different where, than we are, and uh, you know, having actually had the experience of making a feature-length film. So uh, that's what Evan's doing here. What, what do you know about Evan, Timothy?
1: Yeah. First of all, good morning, Evan. Good morning Well yeah No no, no it's pleasantries early. here man We're just no going right into jump. it Yeah Allrick has to be somewhere In like an hour So we have to no just jam through I'm already this. like
0: showered And like dressed And nice. ready to go
1: oh, Wow You didn't have to do that for <laughs> I, me I man I barely had my coffee That's it Yeah um, I'm, Let's I'm see What do I know coffee. about Evan This is Well at first, when he emailed us, and I was just kind of like, uh, I don't know, do we want to talk to this guy? Like, do, what's the angle here? And then when I heard that he, like, grew up in North Carolina and shot his feature there, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because we've all we've talked to is, are people from San Francisco and Austin, I think, at this point, right?
0: Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah.
1: So I thought it would be good to hear like a perspective from someone that's not in like a major production hub. And then we talked on the phone, and it sounds like he's working and living right now in Louisiana, which is also a cool little angle. And yeah, the fact that you made your movie for 3000 thousand it's like, what? How did you do that? We don't believe it. We're calling bullshit. <laughs> it's all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's all made up. Yeah, yeah. There's there's
2: actually a three million dollar budget hidden under there somewhere. Like I knew which, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so yeah, Sonic Clowns is the feature film, and um, I know like when we had talked, you were just about to release it. So at this point, you've shown it like twice.
2: Yeah, we've screened it. We had our world premiere uh April 3rd a couple weeks back in Cary, North Carolina. I went back home to North Carolina to do the premiere and it was great. You know, that was our first time actually showing it to people. You know, we got to see what, you know, a actual packed theater looked like with people reacting to the movie cuz you know, I've I've I cut the movie too. Um, So really just lived, breathed, and, you know, all aspects of this movie for so long. And like, you know, when you're editing something, I'm sure as you guys know, uh, especially something of this length, it's just like, after a while, you just lose all your ideas about what's good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't. Your objectivity is so out the window. It's amazing how
1: fast that happens, too.
2: Yeah, it happened in like two (laughs) weeks. And I'm like, damn, this is going to be a long edit, because it was you know, five-plus months in addition to that. Um, But we finished it in January, and then we screened it. Uh, We sent it to film festivals, and we've got a couple coming up. Um, But, yeah, the world premiere went great. We really think we had a really good audience, you know, good hometown crowd. We almost sold out the theater, actually, which was really cool. We just did a lot of, like, uh, grassroots marketing at home. So we had a really good crowd, probably better than a lot of festivals we could probably, you know, draw just because you know, we had that hometown advantage, but uh, it was close to 150 people. We almost sold out the place and it was like truly one of the coolest experiences I've had doing a film.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, what yeah. I'd like to do before we jump into any more about the film is kind of just you talk about where you came from, where you grew up, where you went to school, all that stuff, like what led you to this point. And then along the way, all and I can interject and ask questions and yeah, just kind of start there and then we'll get to, then we'll, get all current up to this point in time and then we can talk some more about the film
2: yeah yeah so uh like you were saying earlier i'm originally from north carolina the raleigh area to be specific it's the capital of the state Born and raised there, lived there most all my life. Uh, Only until recently did I move to Louisiana. Um, But, you know, backtracking back to the beginning, I was always kind of that kid who, uh, you know, took the family VHS camera without asking and kind of got in trouble for it because I would always film stuff. And, um, you know, just literally for a while there, like I just remember as young as like three and four years old, I would like have this weird fascination with the camera. And like, I didn't know why, like I'd watch stuff on TV and, like, I didn't really think, like, oh, this... I mean, it was entertaining, for sure, but I was always thinking, like, how can I kind of mock this up in my own <laughs> kind of backyard BS version with, you know, just anyone who wants to be in it with, like, pets and toys? And, I mean, like, that was just, like, my thinking as a kid. And that kind of trickled all the way through. Like, you know, I always had this weird feeling I would be a filmmaker, and I don't know why. Like, it, I didn't really take it seriously until, like, around high school, but... You know, like, I was always just the dude who was filming stuff growing up. Um, yeah, like what was it like
1: I- to, to take it seriously? Because I remember making a bunch of shitty little films when I was a kid, too. And then and you don't really think about it as, like, I don't know. It's just, like, you kind of feel like it should be easy, and either you have talent or you don't. And then at some point down the line, you're like, oh, if I, I just have to put, like, more work into it, especially, like, the pre-production part. So did you start doing serious stuff in high school like that?
2: Yeah, in high school it dawned on me because I took this, uh, I was like, we had the like school announcements in our high school and uh, they were just like really like single camera, really deadpan, like boring stuff. But I signed up for a class where that's like what you did um, just because I was like, oh, you know, you can play with cameras and it's one less math class I have to take. And so like that was my thinking. And um, it was actually pretty cool. And I learned a lot. And like the professor or not the professor, the teacher at that point, he was like, really, you know, joyous and everything. So he kind of showed us a lot of cool stuff about, like, lighting and all that. And so, like, that kind of opened my eyes to saying, okay, look, there's way more than this than just, like, point and shoot. Um, And so when it came down to, like, deciding to go to college, I ended up going to East Carolina University in North Carolina in Greenville. Uh, And that's kind of the town I cut my teeth, I think, just in college doing a lot of the, uh, you know, student films. And then, you know, a lot of times, like, my student projects in film school – Throughout college, like they did, I get this like five-minute assignment. Like I remember, there was this documentary class I took, and we had to make a nine-minute uh, piece by the end of the semester. And I was like, "Oh, that's too easy." And so, like, the place I wanted to do this documentary about was uh, this underground punk music scene kind of thing in Greenville called Spazfest and when I like started interviewing people for it I was like there's no there's so much of a story here there was like years and years of this place running in a warehouse and like all these crazy people and cool stuff going on and like everyone I met was awesome so I was like I just need more time so I told my professor I was like can I make this 30 some minutes he's like hell no you can't like that's too much (laughs) and like I was like no no no. I promise like I'll work my ass off all semester and blah 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 and he's like "All right, I'll let you make it but it has to be really good and so like you know i literally like It's funny because, like, when I work on a project, I get really obsessive about it. And I kind of, like, tune out of a lot of stuff. And so, I was, like, super one track on that project. And, like, I'm really proud of it. And he ended up actually really liking it. Um, And so, like, that's kind of the way I operated throughout film school. (laughs) Like, I would kind of do the projects. But then I'd, like, try to, like, hijack them halfway through and, like, do what I actually wanted to do. And, like, the professors always had a mixed reaction to that. But they were all very supportive in the end because I think they liked the kind of initial.
0: Initiative. nice and yeah, then that's what it takes to be a filmmaker so, mm-hmm. so what after what happened after college uh when you graduated
2: yeah. yeah so I graduated a couple years back and after college it was it was just kind of a whirlwind I actually did a lot of like the um the PA gigs just because like you know everyone said that's what you should do um and you know I didn't find a ton of fulfillment in that you know it was it was cool for what it was um but like you know Not to be, like, the stereotypical filmmaker, but, like, I just know in my heart, in my bones that I am a, you know, writer-director at the end of the day. And, like, I know you have to, like, work up the ranks to get there. But, like, for me, I guess the way I was seeing it was, like, I would come home. I worked on Shark Tank for a little bit, and that's, like, reality. And so that was cool. And, like, but I would come home and just write. And I was like, you know, if I could find a way to do more of this. So I kind of took up the mindset after that to really kind of apply that kind of renegade nature I had in film school to actually just go out, you know, make my own films, kind of really no matter what, no holds bar, and, like, find people who were kind of down for that. Because, you know, a lot of people are not down for that. Um, And so, like you said earlier, that's kind of the hard part about being a filmmaker. But, you know, kind of after film school, that's kind of where I gravitated to. You know, I did a lot of freelance, you know, weddings, stuff like that. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I was, like, really finding ways to make my own stuff was really where I was, like, finding fulfillment. Like, music videos, too, especially.
1: And at what point did you move to Louisiana?
2: I ended up moving to Louisiana last year, right after Son of Clowns. So it was, like, (laughs) this giant undertaking making this North Carolina feature. And it was, like, a month, probably about a month after we wrapped, I was, like, I was moved. And it, it just, it was like that summer was a whirlwind, like summer 2015.
0: So um, just going back, so you were paing on on the Shark Tank and were, were there other movies that you got to PA on? Like uh, what, what what kind of work is out in North Carolina? I'm just, I don't really know.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of reality. We actually used to have, and I mean, we still do to some extent. There's a Screen Gem studio in Wilmington, which is kind of on, it's on the coast and it's like the production town in uh North Carolina and like so that's for a while was really thriving like Under the Dome was filming there um they filmed like a whole bunch of movies there like Iron Man 3 filmed there a couple years ago you know a lot of the blockbusters um not too many indies though and like for me I really like the indies and so for me like you know like I knew friends that PA'd on (laughs) Iron Man 3 and like that was really cool but like I would have honestly rather have PA'd on something like Indian low budget where i could really network because like i kind of know if i walk on the set of iron man 3 like no one really cares so you know it's kind right. of like the, i'm literally there to do one thing and, and like when i clock out like you know no disrespect to that but like obviously that's just how it goes it's the industry like i totally get it like i just like to find people who you know, might want to go another step further down the road. And so, like, most of what I did was reality, which was cool because I have a doc background. Like, you know, I did that doc class. um, And, like, I I still make docs. I'm actually working on a feature doc right now. Um, But, like, you know, so I guess it was cool in that respect just to learn a little bit um kind of on the pro side of things with that but you know again doc and reality are very different so if anything it just opened my eyes to <laughs> a lot of the hilarities that happen in reality so
0: right right and so you're peeing on on various things and then you like it's like summer 2015 like how did you get to the point of actually shooting son of clowns like what led up to that and also like what where where did the
1: idea come from and uh what point were you able to say like the script is ready right
2: so going back my thesis film for film school was called Displacement Welcomed and like that movie i like put my mind body and soul into you know like again i like a lot of my like peers like they wanted everyone was just trying to get their thesis done just so like it would be done and like everyone had fun doing it. But I was like, okay, now I got to not only graduate and get this thesis done, but when it's done over the summer, I need to get it to festivals. I need to like, you know, do the distribution strategy. I needed to make an Indiegogo and like I did all that. And that was really eye opening. I think, just because, you know, that was kind of my first time taking a film seriously, not just, you know, throwing it on YouTube and calling it a day. Um, And so doing that taught me a lot. And I did two or three shorts after that, uh, between graduating film school and going out and making Son of Clowns uh, last year. And so it just kind of taught me a lot about what works, what didn't, you know, what do festivals like, what do they don't. You know, I, I did a short festival run with Displacement Welcome. You know, we premiered. Um, a couple places, both here in the US. I think the biggest thing we did was in Switzerland. We had a nice little premiere for the movie. So that was cool. I couldn't go, obviously, because it was like super expensive. And I was like right out of college. Um, but it, it was really eye opening. And so, like, getting to Son of Clowns, like, right after I graduated, I was telling myself, I said, you know, I really want to write and i don't want to wait around to like get hired to write something so i was like let me just have this back burner project so like son of clowns was like a back burner writing project that i started like literally a month after getting out of uh, college and i wrote it for about a year you know onward so it really only finished like probably about a little over a year ago well a year plus a month or two uh, last last year so early 2015 i finished it finally And so then it was just a matter of linking up with the right people. And I guess to make a long story short, you know, I knew some of the cast and then some of the rest I didn't. I did a lot of, you know, casting and pretty much was just like, hey, uh, you know, in North Carolina, to give a little uh, backstory, our, you know, state film incentive tax credit, which is the reason like Iron Man 3 was there and all that stuff actually ended up going away because of some, you know, BS politics. And basically, you know, long story short, all the productions left town. So most everything dried up in 2014. And so there was like a lot of people who are like really talented cast and crew who were just like hungry to work on something at home because like people were pouring out of NC, you know, moving to Atlanta mainly because that's like the next, you know, closest, you know, large hub of filmmaking. And, you know, I think a lot of the people, you know, basically everyone ended up working for free because my budget went to gear and, you know, feeding people and putting gas in their tank and all that. Just to make it so, you know, it really didn't, you know, quote unquote, cost them anything other than time. Um, And so I think there was just that clamoring to make something. And, you know, once we we set out to make it, again, it was just putting the right people together. And I met my producer, Bradley Bethel, who had just come off a, you know, kind of controversial documentary about the uh, UNC Chapel Hill scandal. And so he was doing a lot of work on that. And, you know, he comes from Doc. And so I, you know, met him and I liked his attitude. So I said, here's this narrative. And I gave him the script and he was like impressed by that, he says. And so he read it, liked it. And then long story short, we just hooked up really well and uh, just really hit the pavement producing and pre-producing until the summer where we shot it.
0: Um, And just going back to the script stage, uh, how many drafts of the script were, were there before you guys were ready to shoot? 10,000. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> 10,000. Yeah. Amazing. Literally 10,000.
2: <laughs> that's like 10, yeah.
1: 10 versions a day for 10 years.
2: <laughs> that's the time. I I just like hacked time and did that. Um No, no. I mean, there were a lot though. Uh I, I'm pretty funny like when I write, I feel like I write at a snail's pace, so that's why it took me so long to write the movie. Um, like I'm writing my next feature now and I'm really challenging myself to get it done a lot faster. Um, but I think again, the reason I took so long is cause it was literally a back burner project to where now I think I have more time to devote to stuff like that. Cause back then it was just like taking any and every gig that came my way. And so like a lot of that, you know, took up the time that I couldn't put into, you know, writing. Um, but you know, I think getting the vomit draft out, you know, quote unquote was the most important part. And then from there, it was just a matter of, you know, again, polishing it. You know, my producer, he has a really good, you know, writing background. So he, you know, looked at it, gave me some notes. You know, I sent it to some of my former film professors, you know, a couple people I trusted. And then we just kind of built out a final version. And I think it's just important because, like, you know, I know a lot of filmmakers, you know, really do like to be self-sufficient, like, especially at the indie level. but. I would say don't underestimate the importance of getting feedback because it's like so critical in all stages especially you know uh pre-production and post-production so
0: going to the production so you had a producer what what kind of crew did you have to make the movie
2: um it was a pretty small crew all things considered but you know we got the job done um i think it really it did vary like a few days we had like a huge crew like i had like multiple pas and i was like holy crap i have pas (laughs) like that's cool like and that felt weird because like you know i'm so used to just being the guy who just helps out on set and like you know i was touching lights and like you know my gaffer and my pa were like oh dude you're good you don't have to do that i'm like that's right i don't and like it's just weird to you know be the one you know commanding the ship so to speak um, which was great. And like, you know, it was cool to like really see people doing, you know, it the correct way. And, um, you know, a lot, of, there were a few days we didn't have as many crew. There was actually one day where our boom got sick and I, I won't forget cause long story short, I had to direct in boom for one day and wow. that was, that was, uh, it was luckily it was our shortest day. So that was the good news. It was only like two scenes because most of our days were like 14 hours and like ridiculous schedules. Like our longest one was like 20 something. And we were like sleeping on air mattresses, you know, crashing at different places we were shooting. So, I mean, it was really DIY and indie. But I'll just remember that day because directing and booming is, like, the weirdest combination. I think it's, like, playing guitar and, like, bowling at the same time. Like, that's literally the equivalent. That's insane. Um, But, like, majority of the time it worked great. He just got sick and, like, you know, we didn't have anyone on standby. Because, like, I knew how to work a boom and, like, audio fairly well and, like, our PAs didn't. So, I was like, let me just jump in before, you know we commit to something where we have to do a lot of work in post.
0: Yeah. Do whatever you can. Right. <laughs> I mean, you just got to make your movie. That's, that's awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm curious about your DP cause I, I didn't actually, so I watched 90% of the movie. But I didn't get to the very end and I didn't see the credits, but, uh, so you didn't end up, you didn't shoot and direct. You had someone else shoot for you.
2: Yeah, I had a really great cinematographer. Uh, his name is Ned Phillips. He lives in North Carolina. Highly recommend him nice. if anyone wants to work with him. Yeah, he had a, a Canon C100, and that's what we shot them oh, in
0: the. Oh, really? I have that mm-hmm. camera. That's awesome. I
2: love it. Yeah, it's a great camera. I use it all the time in my corporate work. Like I did a shoot like a week ago. Used it a lot. I work with a wedding company down here a lot, and um, they use the C100s, and it's a great camera. Yeah. And so at first we were going to just use my 6D. Or um, maybe a 5D if I can, if we could swing it, but you know I mean that was like the plan at first, which was fine. But I'm really glad he came to the table because we weren't sure we were gonna get him at first, and then he was like, "Hey man, I like the script, got a C100, let's rock and roll." So I was like, "All right."
1: <laughs> wow. So, for the people that haven't seen the movie, can you tell us like what it's about, like a short synopsis of it, and where the idea came from?
2: So, Son of Clowns is a full feature film. It's my debut feature, 95 Minutes. And it's about a fictional actor named Hudson Cash who comes home after, you know, he's got some pretty bad news about his TV show. Long story short, it's canceled. And so, you know, he's kind of a recurring character in this, you know, network spoof of Game of Thrones. He really doesn't love it, but, you know, it pays his bills and it's like his first big gig. So obviously when it goes away, he's got mixed feelings, but he's pretty bummed about it. And so he's on the way home to North Carolina to visit his parents from L.A. Um, and so, like, he gets the news right when he gets in North Carolina. And so he basically goes home and he hides it. And it's kind of about how he deals with, you know, not only the, you know, devastating news about losing his gig um but also like he's in north carolina no plans in LA anymore like what's he gonna do next and to top it all off his parents run a backyard circus
1: (laughs) did you know somebody like this no actually I've never known anyone
2: that owned a circus um (laughs) it's funny because like you're talking about kind of where the idea came from yeah I mean it came from like literally a million places Uh, I actually had the idea when I was out running one day I don't know why like I never have ideas like this I wanted to do something different I wanted to fuse drama and comedy a lot of my early stuff was really heavy drama um, and, like, this is definitely very dramatic. So, uh, probably even the most dramatic thing I've done, but it's really infused with comedy. Um, so, it's really a mixed bag of, you know, both. I just come off watching Breaking Bad 2. Um, so, I wanted to, you know, make something that kind of had a not-so-likable main character. You know, obviously... Hudson in the movie is not like cooking meth and doing like awful things to people in that regard. All right. But, you know, he's not always the most likable guy. He kind of comes off as a douchebag. And so I wanted to kind of show that, you know, he's got this exterior, but he's got all these problems inside. And like once you get to know him as a person... I think a lot of what he's going through and saying is actually pretty truthful and in some ways justified. And so, you know, for me, it kind of came from, you know, he's this actor struggling for an artistic process. You know, obviously I can relate. I'm a filmmaker going through a lot of the same stuff. And I think that's part of why I think it's cool to be on this podcast because it's, you know, making movies is hard. And uh, it's it definitely is. hard. Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty grueling. And so <laughs> you see that firsthand in Son of Clowns through the eyes of this actor who Loves his craft and sees a lot of people kind of faking their way through and calls some people out on it. So,
0: going to the budget, says $3,000 is what you spent on it. And I I assumed when I was watching it and when I heard about it that like you didn't really have a crew and you kind of did it all on your own somehow. But to hear that you had a crew. for that amount that's pretty amazing so is that all just go to like food and equipment basically was that like yeah
2: food and equipment getting stuff for the c100 a little bit of insurance all the gas um food is it's so funny like i produced the movie too i mean bradley did most of like the logistical producing i did a lot of the like you know communicate with the actors and casting kind of stuff um you know i still like found a couple locations and stuff but like you'd be shocked like how quickly you go to the grocery store and like we had one day where we had 60 plus extras filming the circus scene and we had to feed all of them and like oh my god like filling up a gr- like two or three grocery carts uh and then just like wow we just spent like 500 dollars in one day of food like <laughs> wow. it's just yeah. n- it goes so fast you really have to be like precious with the
0: um, and how did you do the cooking? Did you have somebody that you hired to be your chef or did you guys just figure it out on your own? Like how, how <laughs> did, how did was, that work?
2: It was a combination. Well, the first few days it was like ordering pizza and we kind of hit a pizza wall after a while. Uh, we were yeah. like, no, no <laughs> one can eat any more pizza. And the pizza wall was really a real thing. Oh yeah. And so <laughs> we, we switched to sandwiches for a while. And that was good, but, you know, it was kind of logistically hard to keep everything cold. And so, like, by the end of it, we, it, it worked out because uh, one, two of our other leads, uh, Eric Hartley and April Vickery, who live in Wilmington, um, we actually, and they play mom and dad in the movie, uh, the house that the, the parents live at is actually their real house because they're actually a real couple. Um, so it worked out that they basically let us, you know, crash a little bit there if we needed to. We stayed with some friends in the area. You know, we had their kitchen at that point. So we were really locked down towards the end of the shoot for three or four days which was nice because everything else before was like on location and so we didn't have like outlets really as much we didn't have you know a kitchen to work out of so like once that happened we just like could actually cook stuff which was nice and it was a combination of one of the actors cooked one of my assistant producers cooked and then bradley cooked also my other producer so we really just like jumped in there and all did hands it on deck. how all do you hands convince
1: people to work for free
2: yeah um, I don't know. I really don't because... Did you
1: did you facilitate these deals or did your producer do it for you? Uh,
2: it was a combination of both. But, I mean, we really were super honest when we cast it. Um, and on the crew side, too, you know, we... Up front, we were like, look, we literally don't have enough money to pay people. Like, we're getting logistics knocked out. We're making a feature film in North Carolina. Because I think, in a weird way, the fact that the tax credits just got like it was literally overnight they were just decimated and so like the film industry like in addition to just losing a lot of people like the local sense of taking pride in making a movie was kind of shattered and so i think like the fact that people saw that a feature was happening it wasn't just like a student project like you know it was a feature it was low budget but you know the script was had a lot of heart you know i really put my all into making it you know so did my cast and crew i think like people like, as, as cheesy as it sounds, they, they saw something in that energy, I think, and then just kind of gravitated to it. Um, could I do it again? Who knows? But, like, you know, <laughs> I'm really glad and really thankful people, you know, donated what they did time-wise, talent-wise, because, I mean, it means the world to me, truly. But, you know, it's, it's hard, like, to get people to do that. Um, and I feel I think like you once really, you get enough yeah. people
1: to say yes, then it's mm-hmm. easier. But to get yeah. those first few people to say yes, because you have so many, like especially talent, you have so much talent in your movie mm-hmm. that just getting that number of people to like rally behind it and do it. It's like even like crew. I mean, Ulrich knows, like it's hard to hire some crew members Without paying them because that's just their livelihood. That's what they do as a job. So, like, to have them volunteer their time, even if it's for like Mm -hmm. five days, it's Mm -hmm. just a lot to ask.
2: Yeah. Well, my DP jokes. He's like, Evan, I wasn't doing anything else. That's why I did this. And so, (laughs) and he's a, he's a joker, man. He's a huge joker. I love Ned, but, um, I mean, like, you know, honestly, he said he read the script and he really liked it and he just liked that I had this DIY attitude. He's like, you know, I don't see that a lot. And he said, I was impressed that you were so bold to just be like, hey, bro, this is (laughs) this is the plan. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. Once you get the first few, it comes easier. But it's like, man, getting those first few is a little scary.
1: Cause I, I did a movie once where I, I asked everyone to work reduce rates and they were kind of bitching and complaining. And we're like, Hey, look, the DP's doing it for a hundred a day. And they're like, really? Oh, okay. Well, if he's doing it, then we'll do it too. So it's like, everyone started like accepting it. And then once you get enough people on board, then they're like, all right, cool. Like, I think, we're, yeah, we're I think
2: the thing is just being upfront. Don't, you know, don't be like promising people like, Hey, you know, halfway through, we'll get you paid. Just hang in there. Like, cause that's sketchy. Right. You right. know? If, if you're just straight up with people, I think people appreciate that and they'll, you know, get a read on you.
1: And how many shoot days was it?
2: Uh, it was only 10. So we had a really tight schedule um, and we had a lot of places. We actually shot in one, two, about four to five different cities uh, all around North Carolina. You know, some of them were three hours apart from one another um, on the same shoot day. So, you know, a lot of times we were moving you know, company moves like three hours away and everything. Wow. Um, so that's so, 300, yeah.
1: 300 a day to cover food, gas, and equipment. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that, that's insane, dude. Yeah, it's insane, yeah. but it seems now that it's like 10 days, it seems more like yeah. humanly possible than like. Yeah. A- a- and we any spent some more of amount that in of days, post, really.
2: And like, you know, a couple other little details for promo, but like most of it was. Trying to just get the bare bones covered. Like our, our theory was, look, if we can just get people like to be the most comfortable version of themselves on set, like maybe they won't walk away after the first day.
1: Yeah. And did you know that your budget was 3000 going into it or that's just what you ended up spending?
2: Uh, I mean, we kind of planned for around there. We actually were trying to spend less, but we kind of spent a little more. That's um, the story of
1: independent filmmaking. Right yeah, there. absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's
2: not new. But, um, yeah, like that was roughly what we kind of estimated for. We went over a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, it was just, it was a passion project by a lot of good people. I think that's the secret sauce.
0: Yeah. Well, the look of the movie is really nice, you know? Um, so it's really, it's pretty amazing that you got that done for so little. Yeah, really yes
1: yeah. yeah. I want to ask some questions now about the finished piece. If, sure. right, do you have any other questions about the production?
0: Um, no, just hats off to you, man. You know, it's Thanks, pretty dude. amazing. <laughs> just went and did it. <laughs> Thanks. I want to know. So now that the movie's done and
1: mm-hmm. you've shown it a few times, like, how are you feeling about it?
2: Um, you know, it's funny because, like, I'm always so critical of myself. I mean, aren't we all? But, um, you know, it's funny because, like. Every time I watch one of my shorts, I'm like, I want to change this, I want to change that, I want to change this. And, like, that happens to a few extents here. And I'm sure it'll get worse as time goes on and I get older and do more stuff. But, you know, actually, like, for the moment, I'm I'm happy with it. And I think it's a combination of the fact that I spent so long with it. You know, I was a producer, a writer, I mean, you know, I edited the damn thing. I love it, but I edited it for six months, like, while <laughs> oh doing God, yeah. other main gigs. Like, I'd literally come home from, you know, I had this job in Louisiana for a while working a cool little gig, and it was full-time for about six, like, four to six months, kind of on and off. And so, like, most of the time, I would go work all day on the shoots and then come home and I'd edit until like 3 in the morning, go to bed for like 4 hours, wake up at 7, and then go to work, and then just do it all over. And I wouldn't recommend that because the wear and tear it takes is pretty rough. Um, I don't think I would want to do that again. So,
1: So What do you hope to happen with this movie?
2: Yeah, you know, we're doing festivals right now, and I want to do more independent screenings. I'd love to do kind of a roadshow deal. I think that's super cool. Um, I think as filmmakers... I, I play drums, and I'm a, I am have a little bit of a musician's background, and I think, and I, you know, doing that documentary on the bands, like, that was kind of the scene I was in in college and all that, um, in addition to making films, and so, you know, for me, I kind of took a lot of teachings from that kind of in the way of, okay, so bands, you know, release an album, even small locals and stuff, and they'll go tour, and I'm like, you know, why as filmmakers are we waiting around to, you know, let someone else decide when and where we play, And I think festivals are awesome. And, like, obviously, I'm playing festivals. I just got accepted into the Longleaf Festival, which is a nice one in North Carolina. Um, You know, really trying to cover the ground there, obviously, and other festivals as well. We've submitted to a whole bunch. But I think also not just being like, okay, we submitted, you know, sit back and wait. Um, Yeah. So you know, what does that look like?
1: You rent a theater somewhere, and then you sell tickets for that event?
2: Yeah, that's what we did for our premiere. We actually got in touch. There's a great uh, film networking um, community called Triangle Film Community in North Carolina run by a guy named Conrad Arnold. And we basically talked to him, and he had a connection to get us into this place called the Cary Theater, which was this really nice 150-seater. Nice. carry and that's where we had the premiere and like it was really well publicized you know we sold tickets pretty cheap five bucks a pop um theater took you know their commission and cut but they didn't really end up charging us like a fee outside of that which was really rare Oh wow. um, yeah, that is. and so they they're very committed to local film and so they want to do more stuff like that so they were just thrilled that we drew as many people as we did um and so i think going forward trying to find small art house places like that while you know Hopefully saving up a little bit to do a couple more proper ones, you know, because I know we're not going to have that model all the time. So, you know, kind of mixing those up together and then, you know, doing random screenings, you know, like uh, there's a couple bars that are kind of artsy that we wouldn't mind screening at if they can draw a crowd, Um, you know, little museums or just like art galleries, weird places like that. For me,
1: if I was in your position and I had just made a $3,000 movie. I would figure out a way to make money with it cuz it seems yeah. like f- with $3000 it can't be that hard to recoup your investment. Right. And no. It, no. even if that means spending a little bit more money to to go to places, rent a theater and sell tickets and figure out how to like advertise for it. It just, it seems like something that you, if you can say you made money off of that feature, and even if you just do it Robert Rodriguez style, where you're like, I'm going to make $10,000 off of this and then put that $10,000 into my next feature. Right. Seems like that's the thing to do to it. I feel like you could, if you spend a bunch of money entering festivals, that money's gone. You're not, no one's going to pick a... I really don't think anyone's going to pick up your film and distribute it. So the only chance I think you have of making money without just like losing a bunch more is to figure out a way to make the money yourself. Yeah, I think that I think the roadshow idea is a really good one. I I don't know if I don't know if people are watching features on online and paying for them at this level. Maybe they are, but I don't. I don't know if that's like a feasible. It's
2: a small community, but yeah, I don't think it's a long term strategy by any means. Because basically,
1: you need what three hundred people. 300 people spending $10 each
0: yeah and that's it
1: yeah you could yeah. even sell t-shirts if, if that's yeah. what it is it doesn't even need to be that so you're selling your movie you could give your movie away for free and just sell <laughs> merchandise or yeah. you know something
0: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> I mean, do you guys know that guy film, the film trooper podcast with Scott McCann? Yeah. Have you, have you heard of that mm-hmm. guy, Evan? Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that's he, his that's... whole thing is like you make your movie for as little as possible. Um, and then you figure out ways to like sell it and then you have different packages around it. So like maybe you have a book that's related to the movie that you're selling mm-hmm. for 20, 50 bucks and you have t shirts and whatnot. So it's like you're creating up a brand of merchandising around the movie. And so like you sell the movie for a dollar or like, five bucks at most but then you're selling all these other things for more and then by doing that you're going to make a lot more money from the movie via these other items you know yeah
1: and it shouldn't be like oh just the son of clowns t-shirt it could be like a, a quote from the movie or something about like north carolina pride or you know target it to an audience that doesn't even need to like your movie they just think that the t-shirt's cool
0: yeah yeah Definitely. The other thing I was thinking is, like, because film festivals are such a tough thing these days because there's so many movies uh, getting submitted. And I think for short films, like, I'm almost just done with film festivals. I mean, I'll probably submit (laughs) Mm -hmm. my next one just to a few just because. But, uh, I mean, you know, it's really kind of about getting online, you know, for for a short. But Mm -hmm. for a feature, it seems like there's less of them. So maybe the film festival game is still... I don't know, somewhat of a thing to do, but I mean... It's not
1: that much less, though.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And it's it's funny because they don't
1: show...
2: It's a mixed bag because I thought the same thing that you just said, and then I see a lot of the festivals that I look into because on Film Freeway, I always try to do my research, and I would advise anyone, before you spend a cent... Look at the festival's website, see what they've programmed, like, see if it's sort of like your film. Because, I mean, if if there's if they're promoting and, you know, screening only, like, super heavy drama and you've got this, like, quirky thing, it might not be the right fest for you. Yeah. Um, it might be, but, you know, is that a risk you want to take for 60 bucks? Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's kind of the way I boil it down. And so, yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, that model is, is a little tricky. But, you know, a lot of times festivals only show, like, three or four features, like smaller ones. Right. And so you've got to think, okay, well, what are the odds? I mean, maybe there aren't that many people submitting features to it. But then again, maybe there are. And so you weren't really competing for three or four slots. So you've got to just do your homework, I think, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if there's only 100 movies being submitted uh, to a film festival, if there's only four slots that are being trying to be filled, mm-hmm. that's already really tough odds. And I mean, I bet yeah. you most film festivals are getting way more than 100 features sent. They're probably getting more like a 1,000 features or even more than that, you know? So right. I think it's just a tough thing. But what I was going to say is like, You know, I don't actually think it's impossible for your movie to get distribution. I mean, I've seen, you know, movies that... Uh, like look you know 10 times worse that I have distribution so I sort of feel oh, like you
1: make money off of the distribution
0: yeah but I mean is it really about making money right like is that the mm-hmm. goal or is it about getting your name out there and like creating a relationship with distrib- distributors and you know sort of elevating yeah. your, your level to like you know a more of a professional filmmaker because right. if you just have it online like on YouTube or on Vimeo or something for free to watch or if you're selling tickets or whatever I mean that's one thing but I mean if you have a a distributor behind you I mean I feel like that might take you further in the end I don't know I have
1: no knock against Evan but there's a thousand other filmmakers last year that made movies just like that that just because he has distribution doesn't mean that he's any better off than anyone else I think his best bet is to use it to make money to make another feature yeah so it's not just like a money pit that he's putting yeah. money into but he I
0: mean, he spent so little on it so it's like you at least send it to some distributors and see what happens you know it's yeah. not like it's gonna yeah. cost him anything to approach right. like a hundred or 150 dist- different distributors. yeah but wouldn't it it'd be better
1: if he is able to get like hundreds and hundreds of fans with this movie Maybe make money with it and have like an email database of like hundreds of hundreds of fans that want to see his next movie. Wasn't well, it better just to build your audience than just rely on somebody else to, to put your film out in the world? Yeah, I guess
0: it depends on what you want to spend your time doing. If you want to travel around showing your movie and, and creating a that sounds awesome.
1: I would love to do that. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. It's a, such a personal thing, right? You know, if you're, yeah. you're ready to live with that movie for another year or two years and, and do that process, that's one thing but if you're like excited to make your next movie it's like well you know get it out into the world send it to a distribute distributor let them do their thing and then you know take the time to develop the next movie and maybe raise some money with this movie as like a calling card to get the next movie made
2: yeah i would say on paper i mean i'd love to do both (laughs) so i think i mean in a perfect world yeah um in a practical world the one we live in i think i mean it's 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 sort of a mixture of both but just to a lesser degree of each and i think it's kind of like i would love to travel around with this movie like that does sound awesome like i would love to just go to screenings like i hate when i can't go to a screening um of any movie like i can't make one of our screenings just logistically um and like it pisses me off and like, yeah <laughs> i love just sitting in the theater and like you know even if there's only a few people there it's just rewarding to do the q a and just engage with the audience because i mean that's the thing that's different with our you know art form because you know musicians and you know comedians and all that like you know they go out and do a show or a screen or i'm mean, not a screening a show and uh you know they're there they see the audience they get that engagement but a lot of times with us it's kind of just like well There you go. And like a lot of times, you know, maybe not counting the premiere and a few other screenings, you know, you're not there with the audience or even the the viewer, you know, if it's on VOD or whatever. Um, So I think, yeah, like soaking those experiences up is precious. And then also just trying to, you know, on the VOD side. Like, I've got a couple people and friends I have who've made features and got distribution, and I'm talking to them about, you know, who they know. So, I mean, like, I can send some emails, and I mean, will they be lucrative? Who knows? But Yeah,
1: did they make money off of those distribution deals?
2: Yeah, some. I mean, it's not, like, it's not glamorous, I'll put it that way. But, yeah, they made some money, so they could did go they out and, you know, make another movie. I don't know if they made 3000 I didn't ask, but oh, they, they ask. made, They made. it's different for every movie. All right, um, that's true. But, you know, some people spent more than me. Some people spent less, <laughs> believe it or not. But, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's hard to say. But, I mean, I think for me, ideally, I'd love for this to end up on VOD, you know, whether it's like Amazon Prime or Hulu or iTunes or stuff like that. And there are platforms out there where you, I mean, you have to have the cash beforehand. It costs like, you know, two grand to submit. But there's places like, you know, Quiver distributor um and you can send and submit your movie to you know it it sends them to everyone like netflix itunes amazon and a couple other places and if it, it may have changed since i've looked into it it's been a couple months i need to refresh as we're getting closer to you know that's what we're trying to do now since the movie's done but like you know if it gets in they'll take your money and if it doesn't then they they give some back but then they take like you know half yeah just for processing
0: so. yeah my friend's looking into distributor for um his documentary and so he just yeah. did some research into it and i guess there's different levels that you can totally. submit at so there's different price ranges but like mm-hmm. yeah you get some of your money back if you get if you don't get in or oh yeah yeah but it's really interesting i mean
2: yeah and i mean you can do like vimeo on demand um granted you have to pay like you know what is like I think everyone has a Vimeo Plus account now mostly, but like you have to pay another like hundred or so to get the pro account. Right. And then you can list your movie and like set a rental price for like, you know, four bucks or set like a download price for like 10 or whatever you want to do. Right. Um, but but the thing with Vimeo on demand is you have to be the one driving the traffic to get people and their eyeballs on that page. Right, right. So if you have a, like you were saying, if you have a strong social media presence, which, you know, I enjoy doing social media and we do a lot of it for this film. So we've got a nice little group of people who I think if I did that would jump in. But I think like long term, is it going to keep going or are you just going to see that spike at the beginning and then would it trickle off? And so that's the question.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, having it available to to purchase like on multiple platforms and just having it exist there. I mean, you know, you might be able to just generate some funds uh, over the course of, like, five years. Yeah. I think you have to also think about, like, we're always talking
1: about doing everything yourself, like, through the finish of the movie, but we haven't really talked about, like, what happens after a movie's done. It sounds like Ulrich and I keep talking about... Like, somebody's going to come save us on the other end of that movie. Like, we're going to get it into a festival or we're going to get a distribution deal. But now I'm starting to think, it's like, no, why Why is the do-it-yourself part stop when your movie's done? I think you need to know how you're going to make money with your movie beyond just making the movie itself and, like, put a plan in place. And especially with, like, 3000 bucks, to me, it's like 300 people at dollars each seems so doable that why wouldn't you just go the extra step and figure out how to make the money and then all the other stuff is just icing on the cake if you can get a distribution deal awesome if you can get it on netflix awesome but i want to rely on those as the ways to make money off my movie especially yeah. at that price
2: and, th- and that's what we did for the premiere and so that was only what like two weeks ago now so Now coming off of the premiere with that kind of new energy, we've got, you know, a fest coming up at the end of the month, two more in May, another in June. And so it's exciting. And I think using that energy and then maybe like if the idea I've had is doing like a North Carolina tour, like obviously, because we've got the local appeal and I think we could do pretty well. And then from there going further and taking it to other states and like places like that.
1: Right. Prove it on a small scale first before you start going out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cuz that's what that's what musicians do. And again, I'm I'm like copying the musicians model that's existed for so long, but like I like that. I think it's so yeah. smart.
0: And yeah. and what did you did you make money on the premiere cuz you said you sold out like 150 seats or yeah, whatever? Yeah, we
2: we made some cash, um, you know, it wasn't a ton, but, you know, because the theater takes a fee and there's like an online processing fee for all the online tickets that were pre-ordered and stuff. Um, so it's not a ton, but like, I mean, I think if you do it enough times, like Timothy was saying, I mean, you could, you know, just mathematically be okay. Uh, it might take a little bit, but, you know, and you have to do that legwork to get the people, you know, in the, in the seats and, you know, to, to even come out. But Um, I love that it's like that.
1: That premiere is like such a win-win for everyone because it's like five bucks a ticket. Like who wouldn't want to go and see a movie for five bucks? Like that's such such a great price for a movie. You're making money off of it. The theater's making money off of it. It just seems like. That's so perfect, because, you know, I went and saw Ulrich's movie at the Oakland Inter- International Film Festival. I paid 15 bucks for a ticket to go see, like, six shorts, and I was kind of like, holy crap, like, 15 bucks is, like, the cost I would go see any Hollywood movie. Uh, I think you might have gotten more people to go to the that film festival if tickets were only 5
0: bucks. Yeah, it would have been yeah. way easier for me, that's for sure. But I didn't set the <laughs> ticket price. Um, <laughs> I yeah, was, and
2: that's the thing. When you do your own, you get to be that guy who can set it.
0: Yeah. But that's
1: like, it's the market too, right? So yeah. like had they set their ticket prices at $5, they might have had 30 or maybe like three times more people there yeah and the, you don't know but you, I mean they probably know the market better than, than me and maybe that's just the cost of the theater just to cover their cost of the theater who knows right. but you know it's like trying to trying to think about it like what how would I, what would attract me to go see this movie that I don't know anything about or that just kind of represents my area and like five bucks to me sounds like such an attractive deal yeah Yeah. it's a low risk investment I remember when Napoleon Dynamite came out they were doing free screenings just to get the word of mouth out
2: I think that's great like and that's the thing you know not to go on a tangent but I mean the the, the road to being a filmmaker is tough. It's, it's paved with all these obstacles and like, you know, you spend so long going over one then you get over it. Then you see like the whole road ahead is paved with like a hundred more. And I think that it's like, if you can crack this, like this little piece of the puzzle because i love what you said about how like no one thinks about this because like that's how i feel i feel like everyone talks about making the movie like getting the camera getting the shot blah 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 but like once we make it like there, i always say this there's like really a fourth stage of production it's pre-production production post and then promotion like that's the fourth step that a lot of people kind of don't think about they're like yeah I'll just do this this and that and then call it a day and make the next one and like you know, I am all about making the next one. I'm literally doing that with this doc and I'm writing a new narrative. But, you know, for me, it's like I'm still not doing that every day. And so, you know, when you look at the calendar as a filmmaker, I mean, aren't we all really not making films more than we are making films if you just break down the days on the calendar? (laughs) So it's like, what what are we all doing with all these other days? Like wishing we were making more movies. Yeah, but, you know, what can we do that's, you know, I mean, we're on the computer, and so, like, what can we do that, you know, through the internet and all the technology we have now to actually, you know, promote, and that's, I think, where obviously social media comes into play, but really going one step further and, like you said, doing local screenings, doing road shows, um, you know, doing press, like, you know, doing little interviews with, like, art blogs and newspapers local to the area. You know, if you go, like you said, to Utah, maybe hit up, you know, a couple, like a month or two before your trip you know, hit up all this press and just see who can do an interview with you. Cause a lot of times that press is going to be what drives people to the seats. Cause mm-hmm. we did interviews with like two or three local newspapers, uh, before our premiere in Cary, in North Carolina. And I think that got a lot of people out there. Cause you know, obviously we saw our family, we saw our friends. Um, but then we saw a lot of people who we had no idea who they were. That's, um, awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know why people don't think about this stuff is cause it's not fun. No, this is not the fun not part. They'll make Alric has already I, I remember Alric complained about it and he's just like, I don't wanna get good at distribution. I don't wanna <laughs> be that guy. Like I just yeah. wanna hire somebody that's an expert in it. And I think those are that's good to try to do, but the the truth is, just like getting a movie made or raising money to to shoot your movie. But for most of us, we're just going to have to do it ourselves. And that's just the reality. And if you're not up for that challenge, I think maybe you're just not, you're not ready for it. And I think you have to sometimes just get so desperate that you're willing to do anything. Right. I
2: I compare it to, I compare it to washing dishes. Um, Right. It's like you see that you've got a big ass pile of dishes just piling up in your sink you know it's starting to smell you know it needs to get done um and so it's kind of like you know what you need to do it's just a matter of like taking like the time to just you know clean it up and then like it's it sucks like it's not the most fun thing it's not why we decided to be filmmakers like you know the five year old movie fan in all of us is not like I want to be the distribution <laughs> you know king right. of indie film like no no one wants that um, I mean but we do that's the thing so it's like when you get those you know quote unquote dishes done then you get this immense satisfaction that you're like okay you can step back it's clean you got your stuff figured out Um, so that's kind of what I compare it to. Like, it's not the most fun, but it's necessary to do this. I would
1: go one step further and say that. As you're making a film, you're creating these dirty dishes and you're piling them up in the sink and you're watching them over there, like keep piling up as you're making your film. And you're like, fuck, there's going to be so much work to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see,
2: you see the like calm before the storm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can hire somebody to do it. A <laughs>
2: Dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. Quote unquote.
0: <laughs> so what are you, um, I mean, we know we're kind of it up soon, but like, what are you struggling with now? Um, yeah. Evan, like what's your, what's like keeping you back as a filmmaker? At this point,
2: um, I mean, it's kind of the tried and true stuff of a lot of us. I mean, money, uh, you know, I I hearken what I do. I mean, obviously, this is an art form, but it's this weird version of it because, uh, I don't know if you, you said the thing about how no one's coming to save you. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen the Mark Duplass South by Southwest talk. Oh yeah, the cavalry
1: is not coming.
0: Yeah, and
2: that's and that's the truth. That's what it reminded me of because you know he said it best: like no one is coming to to save us. Like, and I think as soon as you accept that, it's kind of like there's no Santa Claus. So you're like, oh man, (laughs) like you know, you get the bubble is popped, and I think like that's scary to a lot of people. Cause I think a lot of people are like, Oh, if the bubble is pop, then I'm just going to go be a lawyer and call this a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think if you just pop the bubble, like do your Zen yoga, take a day to, you know, deal with the news. <laughs> um, and then I think you kind of come back to it with this renewed sense of vigor and you kind of look and say, okay, Hey, I might need to do some corporate gigs. I might need to do this or that. Um, but you just accept that, you are an artist and you are someone who is, it's a long road. And, and that's what I talk about It's paved with all these obstacles. And like, you know, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's not next year, maybe it's not five years from now, but you know, you, you you have your whole life to do this. So that's what I think is cool. Like I'm doing this new documentary about this uh, Olympic athlete, actually, who's training to go to the Olympics and he's a hurdler and he talks all the time about how he's pushing 30 and he knows he can't do this all his life. And he actually is a filmmaker and that's kind of the part of the documentary. He went to film school and all that. And that's the pull between the two things he does. But like that really strikes a chord with me because, I mean, we can do this until we're like 80, 90 years old, if we make it that far. I mean, maybe we'll have to be on set with a wheelchair, but, you know, like we can do this all our lives. And I think if you kind of accept that it's going to be this long-term battle, and I mean, it's a little bleak, but in some ways it's kind of hopeful (laughs) because, you know, you don't have all this pressure on yourself once you kind of accept that. And it kind of, I think, leads you to create better and work harder because, you don't put all these unrealistic expectations upon yourself right, and i think the that's the time most crippling bomb is part only yeah in your head. yeah it is and that's the thing like it really is and as soon as you free yourself of it i think you find a lot of uh liberation so
0: yeah i mean well you're living proof man i mean look you've you've already made your first feature you're making another documentary and it's not like you're you know Like, oh, had tons of money, had a rich uncle, or this or that. You just went out and figured out a way to make it happen. And, you know, you're in the middle of North Carolina. It's like that's proof that anyone can do it anywhere, that there's nothing stopping us. And like, no, we can Mm -hmm. complain over here in San Francisco that, oh geez, well, we can't get people to go out more for free and the market's different out here, blah, blah, blah. And and some of that's true, but you know, you, that's not really that true. You can still find people to go out and make a movie with you, you know, like there's still people willing to do that. It's just whether or not you're willing to, to do it that way, I think is really the, the, the real question, you know, yeah,
2: You have to look under all the rocks and crevices, see where they're hiding.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, I'm not sure if if I'd ever be willing to do it that way. Like go out and, you know, scrounge up whoever I can t- to make my movie because I know that my primary crew that I want to work with would not work for free I just know you know because they're at certain c- levels in their career they're already working on movies and getting paid you know um, but uh, I mean I know that I could go to uh, any of the, the colleges around here that have film programs and find somebody to shoot a movie for me for free like right. you know that person exists it's, it's just whether yeah. or not I want to go that route or not you know
2: it's that it's that legwork and that kind of mentality saying okay maybe they're not your first choice i mean for me like everyone i worked with was luckily some of the first people i wanted to ask um just because i have really tight friends and connections but there were people who like i knew if i asked them they'd say no so i think it was just kind of like eliminating those people you know maybe saying it's not going to be this film we're going to do together but maybe the next one when we have some money but, you know, finding the people who want to make a name for themselves and want to be a part of something local and something, you know, with some, you know, I guess some cred in the, in the indie sensibility. You know, it's not, again, it's not Iron Man 3. Like, I, I told my PAs, I was like, you know, look, I've been there. Um, I'm not going to make you fetch coffee for me i'm gonna get my own damn coffee and i'm gonna let you play around with our gaffer and like learn something because a lot of them were like high school kids and like college kids (laughs) yeah so i was like you know i'm not gonna treat you like crap because i mean i just know i've been there um obviously like you're you're a pa but you're gonna do hard work but like at least let the hard work you're doing be something that'll like help you out a little bit
0: right yeah totally that is cool
1: is there anything else, Alric? You you want to ask Evan before we wrap it up? Well, we
0: didn't really get to talk about like the toughest part about making the feature and the biggest struggle uh, to get Sons of Clowns uh, done, you know. Um, so I don't know. We I, let's just see if you can answer that question now. Just and then sure. if we have time, if I can throw it in there, I'll throw it in there. If not, we'll leave it out. But I'm just curious. Like, what was the hardest thing about making your first feature?
2: Um, I mean, I think the hardest thing is just convincing myself that I could even do it in the first place because I mean, that's a mental battle that, um, I wasn't entirely sure about at first. I had a lot of the same, you know, thoughts and fears that you guys mentioned when, you know, you were like, wow, 3000 bucks, how'd you get the people to work for free? Cause like, that was my thing. I like wrestled with that for so many months. I was like. Maybe I should just keep this in the drawer for a few more years and, you know, roll it out when I got more cred and connections and stuff. But I was like, no, you know, I spent all this time writing it. It's a really personal script to me. Um, I really felt passionately about the story I was trying to tell. And so I think if you can keep that sense of purpose when you're making your movie, um, it'll take you far. And I think that was the thing, you know, again, convincing myself that A, I could do this and B, once I found the people, I could let go a little bit because I was like, all right, these are my crew. You know, it's like a sports team. They've got my back. You know, granted, yes, I'm running the ship, but, you know, you got to be able to delegate. you got to be able to, you know, be like, you know, these guys are my rock and they truly were. And so I think that was the thing.
0: Oh, awesome. Sweet. Really Awesome. I feel inspired now. Yeah, me too, man.
2: Yeah. I'll be a motivational yeah. speaker. That's what I'll yeah, do if this doesn't all, work all, out.
0: All my, uh, you know, <laughs> like, well, shit, I might be able to, might not be able to raise the money. I might not be able to do this. might be able to do that. But it's like, well, if you strip it all down, um, I can get it done. You know, it's just uh, right. depending on what on what level am I, I ha- happy to do that, you know? And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: we'll, I do know. We'll see. It all comes down to how bad do you want it? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, it it's really true. does. You can just, you sit around and be like, well, I'm just going to wait until I have more cred. I'm going to wait till I have more money. I'm going to wait till, you know, it's I have all the things to make it perfect. Or you can just be like, you know what? I just want to do it now. Like what how, what's the simplest way that I could get this done? The yeah. easiest
2: thing to do is to say, I'll wait till next year and just stream another movie on Netflix and wish it was you. That's
0: the thing. <laughs> oh, uh, that's awesome. All right.
1: Well, I'm going to go kill myself now. <laughs> no. So everyone have a, a good week. No. Oh man.
0: <laughs> Bye, Timothy. See you guys. See you, uh, man. Uh, oh yeah. God. <laughs>
1: Well, dude, thanks for coming on. This yeah, has man. been a really great conversation. Oh, and thanks. Where guys. can people find Son of Clowns? Is, is it yeah. only at festivals now, or can they? Yeah, buy right it from now you? it's at
2: festivals, but later this year we will 110% be on VOD um, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's Vimeo on demand or iTunes and Netflix and bigger stuff. Um, keep posted with us. Uh, we will have more info on that rolling out in the next couple months over the summer. And again, we do have a portion on our website, sonofclowns.com, where you can check out screenings. Uh, We're trying to spread this thing everywhere, so the more people that want to be involved, the better. Um, shoot us an email we're on facebook uh, facebook.com slash son of clowns and then at son of clowns film on twitter and then if people have questions just at mr evan kid feel free to ask and anything else
1: so yeah at mr evan kid is the twitter handle we've we've definitely communicated over twitter before
2: i think that's where we met yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's how you found us and to begin with Mm-hmm. it was
0: and then is there a trailer that we're gonna have linked this episode or do you guys yeah, have a trailer okay yeah, sweet there's a trailer oh. Yeah, and we're cutting up and a, the show a, a
2: more detailed and spoil—well, not spoilery, but more longer and detailed trailer uh, for the next like two months. So look out for that. Sweet,
0: awesome, nice. Well,
1: I have a new tagline based off this interview. Oh, Making geez. movies is hard. Popping your filmmaking dreams since 2015. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Damn! If you,
2: if you still want to make your make movies, bless your little heart.
1: Yeah, bless your little heart. <laughs> God, We're just here to discourage you. Wonderful. I love <laughs> it. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend about us and let them know that this exists. Um, you can find us at makingmoviesishard.com, where we have the show notes. We'll have links to, to Evan's page and to his film, Son of Clowns. You can watch the trailer to that and keep up with him. You can send all Rick and I an email at podcast at podcastmakingmoviesishard.com. We're on Twitter mmih podcast we're on facebook mmih podcast come find us let us know what you think of the show we love hearing from you guys and thanks for listening thanks Ulrich, for joining us thanks evan for being on yeah, the show thank you
0: guys <laughs> yeah thank you timothy thank you evans a lot of fun man yeah it was a lot of fun this and uh,
1: everyone have a good week